we reclaim and affirm the ways of the rebel goddess. We have the right to fully embody life in a connection with nature and her cycles. We empower ourselves and others without apology or harm, aware and in awe of our united potential. We welcome the light and the shadow, knowing that divine power is at the source of both. With the wisdom of our ancestors and the hope of our future descendants, we lean into the unknown with grace. We release that which no longer serves us and manifest that which does. We make our own rules and then we may break them. We are radical and wild. We are rebel women with teacups. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I tried to give it the same oomph that you did last time. It was so cute. I loved it. It was flawless. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. So, so hi, hey, how have you been? Hi, just, you know, so good. So, so yeah. good. I have this chai tea in front of me. So what we are drinking today is, I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right, but it's Paromi, P-A-R-O-M-I. Sounds good to me. Tea. It comes in a, like this beautiful matte black glass mason jar. Um, it is a sexy jar. It is a sexy jar. And the one that we are drinking is cinnamon chai. It's a rooibos blend. Um, also includes ingredients like cinnamon, ginger, anise, clove, cardamom seed, and then natural flavors. Natural flavors always kinds of just makes me sad. Freaks me out. That's okay. You say you say anise. I say anise. Anise. Yeah, potato, potato. Right. No one says potato though, so obviously in one way is right. <laughs> Anyway, so this tea was gifted to us. We are um, fortunate enough at the temple that sometimes individuals would just be like, here's a whole bunch of boxes and bottles and jars of tea. Um, So I haven't actually had this one before. Have you? No, I have not, but it smells delicious. It does. It smells like red hots. Oh my gosh, it does. I wonder if that's the natural flavor because, but also cinnamon is the second ingredient after rooibos. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, like ground cinnamon tastes and smells different than like cinnamon sticks. Like if you break a fresh cinnamon stick and you smell it, it has more, it's like more pungent and like zappier, like a red hot is. Yeah. And actually also reminds me of like, um, okay. So there's this florist that my mom works at. And when I walk in, it smells like craft supplies, like the cinnamon um, brooms that you yeah, would yeah, smell yeah, at the yeah. front of a grocery store. But <laughs> it's like entirely all, all, all it smells like that. But it smells really good. And it's really beautiful in this um, container because I forgot to grab the French press this past week from mm-hmm. the temple. From the temple. So, but I can see it. And I'm right next to a window that is shining through. And it's the most beautiful orange yeah, that's definitely yeah. like this beautiful burnt orange color. Yeah. Now, if my best. if my eyes did not deceive me, did you also have creamer milk? Did you add something to it? Yeah. Beautiful cup of yours. Oh my god. So I have I have a situation over here. This is just my water, which I got these stainless steel like um, tumblers at mm-hmm. the thrift store because stainless steel. So I like glass because the mouthfeel is nice and it doesn't affect the taste at all, but you can break them. So stainless steel is similar in that it has no taste. It's not going to like stain or take on the flavor of anything that's in it over time, but you can't break it. Um, and it's nice to drink water out of it because it's like cool to the hand. Like when you mm, pick it up, so you're nice. like already engaging with the beverage before it even hits you, but that's just my water. But I do have 
my setup because I like my chives usually with cream and sugar. So I have some cream and sugar on the side. I will taste it virgin and then I will decide if it needs to be creamed. Uh, oh my God. I love you. I just love you. Thank you. Okay. I don't have creamer with me, but I can always go get it, but it's a vanilla creamer. And I don't know how that would mix with oh, this. Although and vanilla and cinnamon is not bad. Right. But sometimes, well, I get, and sweetener too, and chai is nice, but um, it comes in these, those pyramid sachets. Um, so it's really nice because then the the tea leaves oh get God. a chance to like wiggle around and move more and they're not as crushed as when they're in the flat tea bags. I don't know if I ever realized that that was, you just handed it to me and I just put it in my purse and I just called it a day and then I just threw it in this container. So I don't you think just I had, had <laughs> you just brewed tea with a tea bag. You just had loosey goosey in your purse for a week. Is that what you just told me? It was, it's just like floating around. It was, and it's <laughs> It was in its own little pocket in my purse. It was by itself where everything's good. <laughs> I, I see your judging eyes on me. I'm not. Sam. I just wonder if you're going to pick up some like light, like pennies or like big pen cap taste to it. I don't keep my change in that part, but okay. I like the way your brain works. But I will say that I do a, I like the texture of the bag and I don't know what material it was made out of it or it reminds me of sheer fabric, but I know that's not what they used, I but I do plastic. like the fact, just like you said, that it was allowed to, whenever there's a regular tea bag, they're so compact in, right. Mm -hmm. That how do they really get like yeah. in it? Well, plus the tea in regular like paper tea bags, it's like crushed and basically pulverized. So it's yeah. turned into dust. So any of the like volatile oils or anything have already been like released and dead. Whereas if there's like actual chunks of plant material, then it'll hold on to those like constituents and taste a little bit more, I think. Yeah. You sound so um, knowledgeable. I appreciate you. No problem. I go hard for some tea sometimes. Um, so I've been sipping this plain and it is very, very good. It is. Yeah. I do feel like I can, um, <laughs> my brain is like those natural flavors are so delicious because <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell what's, what's actually ginger and what's actually cinnamon, but it's very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It is nice. Um, just like, it's a subtle cinnamon flavor. It's not overwhelming. See, I feel like it's mostly like it's rooibos, which to me tastes like a, like a soft vanilla anyways. Um, but then it's all red hot and just like the very, like barely can I taste clove. I feel like more, I can feel like the clove on my tongue, you know, how I, it, like I agree. I agree with, um, that. but also it could be the natural flavors who knows, but it's not bad. I would drink it's again. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't even need to put, um, creamer in it. I am going to put a little bit of sweetener in it though. Cause Decadent. So when you say sweetener, you say like honey, um, this is uh cane sugar, just like unrefined, like the big chunky, yeah. um, like gold granules. So yeah, I don't think I even want to put creamer in it though. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of nice on its own. What's, um, mm -hmm. I know we've talked about it before and I think you even told me that somebody very particularly told you to say Rubios in a very specific way. If that's the right one, did I say it wrong? I don't know. I say Roybus. Roybus. I feel like you told me that somebody told you to say it Roybus and not Rubios. Because, you know, phonetically, it looks like Rubios. 
Yeah. Well, you know, potato, potato, anise, <laughs> anise. <laughs> you can be wrong on this one. I'll be wrong on anise. It'll be fine. <laughs> anise could be right. Like, who knows, right? It's just like regionally. Is right. it? Is it pop or soda? Right. right. It doesn't matter. It's we all soda. know what it is. It's, we all know it's soda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Have you tasted it? I have. I do. I like it. I like the, um, it's a, I can taste the cinnamon, but for me, it's a subtle cinnamon taste. Sometimes things can be too much cinnamon, Yeah. but this is really lovely. This is nice. Mm. I, um, I, I want to start doing like your little fanciness, like, cause normally like I'll, let's say with coffee, I truly just use creamer. I don't use sugar unless I'm at a restaurant that has uh, like half and half, like that's the only available creamer to it that I'll add a little bit of sugar, but it's not, I don't, that is not my favorite thing at all mm. to taste or experience. Mm. So I tend to be a little plain Jane when it comes to tea. I don't really add anything or do anything. And I, it's like, I knew that you could add creamer to tea, but I don't think that I, I don't think that I knew someone who did that until you, because everybody else is for the most part, a coffee drinker. Uh And, um, I think we should have a, uh, like a lesson on the different tea, the different tea leaves and maybe have like a flight. Let's have a flight of teas. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be. Because most teas are, it's essentially the same leaf. It's just the way that it's processed, when it's processed, where on the tree it comes from. Was it grown in shade? What or age? Light? I know that yeah, much. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Um, I'm not actually drinking half and half though. I am drinking ripple, which is a, um, it's a plant-based, plant-based. creamer. Mm-hmm. So I have <clears throat> my bane of existence at the grocery store is that there is no, I know you know this, <laughs> But there is no unflavored, plain plant-based creamer at pretty much every single grocery store. You can find rows and rows and rows of hazelnut and creme brulee and vanilla and sweet cream. And all of them are sweetened. And I just want like a plain. So, so this is what I found. It is at my one singular grocery store. If I go to other grocery stores, they don't have it. But 10 out of 10, highly would recommend Ripple because it doesn't taste like coconut either. Sometimes the plant-based things will taste like the fake, like whatever the plant is that it's coming from. And I don't want all of my teas to taste like coconut fat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to taste the tea. So this does a really good job of creating that mouthfeel of creamy and, and like, and creaming the taste, but without, without junking it up with other flavors. And it has a nice mouthfeel too, because sometimes it'll have a weird mouthfeel, like melted jello or something. Have you ever Ew. had oat milk? No. Well, yeah. Oh, well I do of the plant-based. I do prefer oat milk of okay. all of them. Have you ever had, I don't want to name any names, <laughs> but I'm going to, because what is it? Planet oat. And you pour it out and it's like kind of gray. It's like almost see-through and it's thick, like melted jello. Or not okay. quite ready. Do you know what I'm talking about or not? I know what brand you're talking about. And I think I have purchased it for the temple before. So I will not again because it's it's my least favorite. Also, the oil that it uses is rapeseed oil, which is commonly known as um, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking. Lin- no, it's not linseed, because nobody likes to call it rapeseed oil. What do they call it? Ah, I don't know. Oh, I'm, it's like palm oil. No, it's not no? palm okay. oil. Hang on. I don't want to Google this right now, but I do. Yeah, go ahead. 
and you know what? And I didn't even know that. Oh, canola. No. That's what it's canola called. Canola oil. oil. Oh, oh no- canola. Wait a minute. It's canola oil. Yeah. Canola. There's no, there's no canola plant. So it's rapeseed oil, but no one wants to put rape seed oil on their ingredients, but it's like, it's terrible for you because it's really high in like bad fatty acids. I had literally, I knew I just recently, like, like I would say within the last six months found out that oat milk had oil in it. And that shocked Mm me, but Mm -hmm. so it had canola oil under a different name, angers me. Only oat oat milk is super simple to make. You just have to, you just have to make the effort, right? Like it's literally oat and milk and water. That's it. Yeah. Or you can add vanilla to give a little sweetness. That makes but, me sad and angry. The canola oil slash rapeseed has also been known to be a um, endocrine disruptor. Yeah. It'll like fuck with your hormones and yeah. all sorts of other things. Like it should not I be. Had no food, fucking idea. But, that makes me so angry. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> thanks for the education, my love. No problem. Okay. So here's what I have for you today. I was okay. like, I'd like to bring something to the table. I know the cover of what you're about to read. Okay. So this is, it's a surprise in a surprise. So okay. I pulled the book Aphrodite's Daughters um, from Jalaja Vanheem. I'm not sure if I pronounced her name correctly, but it's women's sexual stories and the journey of the soul. And I was like, let's just open up to a page and see what happens. And so I, I love it. Up- Give it to me. I opened up to a page and I had highlighted this box on the page. And coincidentally, the box that I had highlighted was not Jalaja's words. It was a quote from Thomas More, um, mm-hmm. who I actually have some of his books, but this it's a quote from Thomas More from his book called Soulmates. Okay. So here's the quote. The courage required to open one soul to express itself or to receive another is infinitely more demanding than the effort we put into avoidance of intimacy. The stretching of the soul is like the painful opening of the body in birth. It is so painful in the doing that we often will attempt to avoid it, even though such opening is ultimately full of pleasure and reward. Mm. Can you believe mm. a man wrote that also? That's right. That's yummy. <laughs> Good That's for him. Super yummy. I love that. Me too. Can you read it one more time? Just yes. to like let it sink into our bones. Yeah. Cause it's kind of long too. It is. Yeah. I love it. The courage required to open one soul to express itself or to receive another is infinitely more demanding than the effort we put into avoidance of intimacy. The stretching of the soul is like the painful opening of the body and birth. It's so painful in the doing that we often will attempt to avoid it, even though such opening is ultimately full of pleasure and reward. Mm. Like you could get lost in it, just like know, cover yourself up in it. So many, so many thoughts pop up. Okay. So here's, here's my initiating question for you. So the okay. opening line the courage required to open one soul to express itself or receive another is infinitely more demanding than the effort we put into the avoidance of intimacy. Okay. So my question for you is either like in which ways have you allowed your soul to open up and express itself that there's been, you know, ultimately full of pleasure and reward or slash. And if you want to, in which ways are you possibly avoid like putting in infinitely more effort to avoid intimacy? <laughs> uh, uh, 
the questions of all questions. Um, okay, great, great question, great passage. I'm glad that these are things that we're doing now. Okay. I feel like I'm going to shy away from the second question from, from the second part of it. But the That's first fine. one I would say, oh, when I started a few years ago, um, lovingly not giving a fuck, I feel like the path of life has opened up so sweetly mm. and so honestly I mean, you know, there's always going to be things that we'll have to, we'll have trivias or trivials. It'll be, it'll be trials. Thank you. There's the word. It'll be trials to get through or to understand or to experience. But when you surrender, I feel like, I feel like the word that I'm going to be embracing these next few months is going to be the word surrender because it does keep popping back up to me like I just surrendering to who I am as a human and to um so okay I want to share something really quick because it keeps popping into my brain so yesterday two different times from two different sources I heard them say it was wild because like I the first time it struck me and I was like oh that's really that's really nice and then literally completely different platform they said the same damn thing and I'm just, I'm going to be paraphrasing it, but basically it's, um, I don't want to believe in things anymore because believing is having faith in the unknown of just like, we believe in God, God is the mystery, right? But I know, I know that I am God, God is the mystery. I know that I am divine. I know that I am a holy soul experiencing life and flesh and blood bones. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer a belief for me because I, I, it's not about not having faith in the unknown. It's because I know mm -hmm. like, that's just what my bones are telling me. And <clears throat> having taken on that in less than 24 hours, um, <laughs> having taken on that knowledge, it's just the, the surrendering to that. Like I, and, and it's my path. So that may not be your path or the person who I, that may be in um, a circle that I experience. It may not be their path, but I know, I know that my path. And what's really funny is that inside that same conversation, you and I have had this conversation before about how the face of God, right? Mm. Now I'll, I'll add this to it. The word God for the longest time was a very triggering word for me. And I did not grow up in a faith-based household. We were not religious by any means. I, I attended church on, in the afternoon because they had a tutoring program and it really helped my grades. And we got to like earn points and get little prizes. So it's just like this fun thing that is literally like my experience with church other than going every so often with a friend or something like that. Um, but the word God, because I saw it through the lens of the wounded masculine, the toxic masculine, it was, it did not sit right in my bones because the God that they wanted to give me 
would not love me in all of my mm. forms or love the people in my life in all of their forms. And then I've been working on loving my divine masculine, my, my holy masculine. And in doing so, I have started to heal that connection with the word God. So for me to use the word God, I use it in a very generalized term where I see it as everything and nothing. And God is goddess. Goddess is God. They are the great mystery. They are the lovers. They are the uh, they could just be literally, they could just be molecules floating throughout space, right? That that's what God and God, God and goddess could be. And then they like mingle together. And in that mingling together, they create this big bang that creates earth, right? Like that could be what God goddess is. And I'm just open to the possibilities, but being open and surrendering to like the question, the intimacy, intimacy you um, have described, I. A lot of the times because of the work that I do, I see intimacy through the act of being sexual, being pleasurable, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be intimacy in any form. It can be these kind of conversations that we're having. Mm -hmm. Like how yummy is it that we get to have these conversations, these soul stirring conversations. And the more and more I have allowed myself to have those conversations, whether or not a person becomes a really good friend, I see that I keep having these conversations with souls that ignite something inside of me or offer me knowledge that I didn't know or a, a way of thinking that I never considered, right? Mm -hmm. So it's in the allowing, the surrendering that you continue to experiencing, experience these things that set your soul on fire. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if any of that, literally anything, my little tangent had it any type of answer to your question, but that's what I'm giving you. That's perfect. Okay, good. What about okay. you? Well, you I wanna... have to, I have to interject first because Please. with, with the God goddess and like, and the big bang. Okay. So from a Vedic lens, yeah, so, give it to me. so Vedic philosophy, um, all the schools of thought, because some of the schools of thought in, in Vedic philosophy contradict one another, because like in Christianity, there's one canonized text It is the Bible. It is however many verses, however, and then, and then that's it. But in Vedic, um, culture, it, there's hundreds of books and there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of verses and it spans this huge time frame and and although the bible was written in in a large expanse of time vedic tradition is is just entirely way more expansive and so you have different schools of thought that pop up and that can be contradictory because they just pull different verses to be like oh well this is what that one meant and then someone else will read it and be like oh it's the opposite um to to justify their perspective on on the divine and like capital t truth but the the basis of all vedic philosophy is samkhya and samkhya is this awareness of duality so I am a non-dualist, but yet I still accept Samkhya on one level. And I feel like there's like a level up where it's like the chicken or the egg, right? There's two, but like one of them, obviously, or is there, right? Because non-duality mm. is like, actually one of them didn't come first because there is no separation. Yeah. That's the, that's the non-dual answer to the chicken or the egg. So Samkhya says there's a masculine um, component and a feminine component, not in terms of like biology, but in terms of, um, consciousness so that which cannot be like seen or touched or measured it is like the it is pure awareness and the experiencer and then 
Um, so that is Purusha. And then the opposite is the feminine counterpart, counterpart, which is Prakriti, which is physical matter. It is the manifestations within this physical plane. It is the material world. So it gets a little bit tricky though, because even like my mind, my thoughts, like at first glance, you'd be like, oh, that's the masculine because it's awareness, but it's not because my thoughts are a direct result of the interaction within this physical world. My mind exists within the biology of my brain. And so technically that's all part of Shakti. That's all part of Prakriti, the feminine. And it is these two, it is pure awareness that knows no judgment. And then the material world smashing together back and forth, back and forth. And that's what creates, that's what creates the world. So you're right. <laughs> <laughs> From the Vedic lens, you are correct. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't even know what I knew. Yeah. Well, it. and all the time you'll say, um, like we had, uh, the topless, um, Shakti Shakti meditation. meditation and in it, and you said this before, and I think to myself every time you say it, but it's like never appropriate to like dig into it because you're like building energy, but you'll, you've said before if, um, between Shiva and Shakti. Yeah. Go ahead. Lay it on us. Well, and I didn't come up with this. This is something I did read from a book. Um, Shiva and Shakti. Shiva is a god. His divine consort is one of the faces of Shakti. Well, is many faces, all the faces of Shakti, but Shakti is many goddess faces. Anyways, Shiva and Shakti are divine consorts. They're, they're mates. And so if Shiva is the dancer, Shakti is the dance. Like, how yummy is that? I cannot, I can see the cover of the book, but I cannot think of what the book is called. So I'll I'll find that. So it's probably in storage right now. So just refining that, not that you ever have to change it, but technically through Samkhya lens, the dancer would be Shakti because it's the physical manifestation. And then the dance itself, which is like the awareness expressing itself, would be mm. the masculine because it's consciousness. But interesting. <laughs> okay, then I'll go back to that book and see if I got it wrong. But like from from the lens of um, like which one is more feminine and like intuitive, like which one are you feeling? Which one is more right brain? Which one is more feminine? The dance obviously, obviously feels more, more feminine. Goddess, yeah. yes, yeah. But it's the same as every it's, other. It's ecstatic. Right. But it's the same as every other set of pairs of like the bee versus the honey or the bird versus the song. Like you cannot separate one from the other, which is the core of, I mean, the core of existence. So from, from my, my perspective, the, 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 um, school of thought that I like is that we are existing in this world as these two components, the masculine and the feminine, Purusha and Prakriti, Shiva and Shakti smashing together. And we, we are searching for this remembrance that one is not the other, because we are convinced like in our brains, I'm like, I am this body and I am Sam and I'm a mother. And I am all of these indicators based on Mm -hmm. my physical reality. And I think that that is me. My awareness is tricked into thinking that the material world is me that I am how I am expressed, but I'm not, I'm an infinite, eternal 
endless expanse of pure crystalline awareness and I've forgotten. And so the suffering yeah. in this physical world is me interacting with, with nature, with the material world. And I'm trying to remember. And then every once in a while, you get this slice of bliss where your awareness remembers what it is. And you don't feel the separation of the physical world because Shakti, her, her whole bag is this illusion. She offers this layer of Maya of illusion that makes us forget. And even she forgets that she's separate. And so the two are like, <laughs> it's this mashing together and remembering like what is true and what is, that's the whole, that's why we're here. And that's why we keep this, the, the cycle of karma and life and death and, and suffering happening because we are constantly forgetting, which is why we're working nine to five jobs that we hate to make money, to live in a house that's too big for us, that has too much shit that we're never even in because we're always at work. You know what I mean? Mm. Like all of those things that are not based in reality. Yeah. Oh, big breath. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I love it when you like click in and go on tangents because it like fills me up, fills my cup up. Well, that's so thank good. You. Sometimes it is very, um, uh, very chaotic and not linear. And it just is like, literally, I'm just jabbing 75 different places. That's cool. Fire. Uh, time's not linear so who cares right nothing's linear everything's cyclical yeah but if everything someone's, if someone's trying to follow my train of thought and they're like i don't if they don't know if they the rest of the week like you do they're like what the fuck <laughs> if i think anybody who tune, tunes in is just like sam give me more give okay. me more so All thank right. you thank no you problem okay but i will answer the question yeah um in okay so what have i done to fully unveil my soul i feel like the the shakti meditation the topless meditation was a good recent step um i don't know that it was like my best teaching work i was a little bit discombobulated in my brain that night and then also i had notes but it was so dark that i couldn't read any of the <laughs> notes and then every time i looked down at the paper my brain would like panic which never happens because usually i've got way too much thing, way too many things to say. And this was like, well, for whatever reason, um, maybe because I was half naked. But the other thing that was really interesting was, <clears throat> I, I, I shared this with you, but um, I had drove one of the women to her car because our, our parking, sometimes you have to park down the block. And, um, and she was talking about you know, expressing like anxiety about being half naked. So, okay, wait, let me bring everyone up to speed. So we did this topless Shakti meditation. So we did some um, energy raising and some affirmative chanting about being in our bodies and owning the space that our body takes up and being the body being a vessel to alchemize energy and just like a conduit and not something that is either good or bad or whatever. And, um, and then we got half naked and then we did some things, we did some dancing and we did some, some praying basically. And um, yeah, it was we just sat really great. at her feet. We sat at the goddess's feet. It was amazing. It yeah. Was amazing. Exposed, just like vulnerable for her, the way she mm. offers and exposes herself for us. It was really beautiful. Um, yeah, but okay. So this is what I realized. So I was driving this, um, incredible goddess to her car and she had expressed, you know, like the, the anxiety and stress, um, of, you know, being half naked in a group with like potentially strangers, which there were strangers. Um, but like, I, 
had no, as a facilitator, I felt like I missed the mark because I didn't, you held space for that because you had even cued it as we were about to get naked. And I was like, you, you need to cue the undressing. Like I knew that wasn't my thing, but I had no, I had no ability to hold space or any awareness that like people would be feeling anxious or afraid or stressed out at getting half naked because I was just so excited at like all day long. I was like, I get to be tits out with a whole bunch of women this evening. And that was it. That was the only thing that was playing on my record in my mind was like, tits out, tits out, tits out. And there was so so that, so I feel like that was, that was stepping into Like if I, if there's no fear, literally no fear exists yeah. in, in that space in my mind, which is amazing, but also, you know, as a facilitator, I should have probably leaned into that as well. But anyways, it, that's, that's one of the hard things, right? Do you think that your maiden self would have been that open to it? No, my maiden self hated the body. Mm. It was a prison. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's literally so, a song that millions of maidens sing. Yeah. Well, and it's fucked up that it wasn't until honestly, motherhood is what is what healed. I mean, it, it healed my relationship with my general and then also with the divine, but it was like, um, oh, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that I'm a mother because who knows where I would have been because like body dysmorphia and eating disorders. And like, I don't know, my, my boobs were too saggy from like day one, like none of that shit actually matters. And mm. now having like <laughs> fantastically saggy breasts <laughs> about all the times before when they were actually perky, but I thought that they were too saggy. Like that's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it is. It's every maiden song, but it's also crazy because maidens are the ones that are like the most like enthusiastic and um, like naive and which I guess it's probably a, a sign of 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 ignorance of the true self. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. to, be, to be like, oh, my body, blah, blah, blah. Or thinking about, okay, this is, this is what I was thinking about. And I had a whole bunch of notes that I could not read <laughs> for the shocked <laughs> meditation, but like, so my cat, I have this big, beautiful fat cat and he lets me rub his belly and he's got these big fat honker thighs and it's like big old, like booty haunches. And I just, I love it. And he will lay on his back balls up and just like, let me rub like from his neck all the way down his big fat belly. And I have been thinking like when I was younger and I would be with a partner and I'd be like, oh, you know, like they would touch a certain part of my waist and I would know in my head, oh, there's like a crack there, like a roll where my skin is because of the way I'm sitting. And then I immediately, I would straighten up. Right. Or like, they can only see me from this particular position or uh, like, even if yeah. it's like, you know, I have to have my leg shaved or something, but like my cat who is fat as fuck and doesn't get any, has no awareness of being self-conscious about his body. Yeah. just receives adoration and physical play. He just gets rubs all day long. And imagine, just imagine how insane it would be if I was rubbing his big fat belly and he stopped me. I mean, sometimes he stopped me because he's like, get the fuck off. But what if he stopped me and he was like, don't touch my fat right there. You know what I mean? Right. Because I feel like we've all been that women where it's like, don't, don't touch my fat. Don't touch my butt. Don't touch like whatever, because I'm yeah. self-conscious about it right now. But like, there's nothing to be self-conscious about, but imagine how, cause if you put it on something else, it be immediately becomes insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. A thousand, 100 million, <laughs> thousand percent. The illusion of perfection is real, yeah. real.
real. And then when you sink into the, I don't give a fuck, right. it can be really yummy. There are fucks that you do have to give, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, there are fucks you have to give. However, you just got to give the you right can be ones. choosy, right? right? You can be choosy about what fucks you give. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. And then the second part of the question. So where am I? Um, where am I avoiding intimacy? Okay. So this is a more like pragmatic response. Um, but like in, in work, so in my, so I work, I work retail presently. Um, and I've been working retail for a very, very, very long time. And what I have come to be able to see is that instead of people asking for what they need from one another. So like, say I come into work and last night's crew didn't do what they were supposed to do. Like they didn't put something away quite right, or they left something a mess or whatever. And then the tendency is that people come in and then they start complaining about what is instead of number one, just fixing the problem. Cause the more you complain about it, the longer and bigger the problem gets. Mm. And then number two, go to the person that did it and say, Hey, just curious like what are your standard operating procedures like like do they understand something to be different than what it should be are you in the mist or was there some big you know hoopla with like in in the retail industry like was there guests or something you know what I mean that pulled you from this because they see time and time again instead of people being honest and saying hey you really left a lot for me to clean up last night just checking in with that that conversation never happens. It never happens. At least it, it, I shouldn't say never, but it doesn't happen as often as it should be. And then it creates this world of turmoil and suffering, um, way more energy and effort to avoid the big opening. You know what I mean? Than just like opening up and being like, Hey, because also any person in their right mind would be so much more, um, receptive to like, if I came to you and was like, Hey, why did you leave this all out? You'd be like, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Or, Oh, there was a good reason. Or like, you know what? I just wasn't feeling it. Whatever it was, you would be way more grateful for me to coming to you being honest. Mm -hmm. Then we could like talk about, and then you would know that it's a thing that you're doing because oftentimes people don't even know their least favorite, least desirable qualities. They're not aware of them but then you'd be able to shift it. And then also I wouldn't be building the story of resentment about it, you know, mm, mm-hmm. but that's not what people do. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make yes. any sense that we're constantly avoiding this truth and it's like ease and we're avoiding grace. And instead we're just like putting it on this fire of anger and frustration yeah. and bullshit. And I, I could not, <clears throat> excuse me. I could not agree with you more. And I think that can also uh, traverse into other areas of our life, not just work relationships clearly. Like I know that's what you're um, offering, but like, for example, the hot button issue family. Okay. (laughs) If we could truly just be honest, but in like a loving way where it's like, Hey, I didn't appreciate this. Not, Hey, I didn't appreciate this or whatever that may be. But like, when you really think about it and this goes literally for everything, in my opinion, at least in the American Midwestern culture, I see it being all over America. I cannot say anything to any other cultures because I do not live in their existence or their experience, I should say, uh, is we are not for generations. We have not been given the tools to communicate properly, to express ourselves in a loving manner, to receive expressions 
and loving yeah. manners to receive criticism. Oh no one is taught how to receive criticism exactly. with grace. Exactly. Or even to offer criticism with grace. There right. are ways to say, right. Maybe you can do this better. And there's also ways to, to, to realize as the person may be offering the critique that that may be something that is your truth, but that's not my truth. And right. that's okay. There's right? space for both. There is space for both just because we don't do, and could you, I mean, and I know this is something that we've heard before, but could you imagine if we all operated the same way, how horrible this world would be, how horrible life and existence would be, but we are not. And I know a lot of it has to do with, I have been doing, I have been doing a lot of ancestry work this last year, a lot to try to find out my, uh, the path of how I came to be. Because I've been going through this, like, where do I sit in the world? Because I live on stolen land. This is not my land. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been told in my family history that I had uh, an indigenous grandmother. Uh, She did not make it to me. So I don't know if I have an indigenous grandmother truly because all of the names that I have found in the records, nothing says that. Mm-hmm. However, because my my DNA does not show any type of indigenous blood in my in my bones, at least. Anyways, but I realized like I, so for example, I found out that I have a shit ton of Scottish in me. Didn't know that most of my family didn't know that we have Scottish ancestry either, but mm. in, and I've always loved the tales of Scotland, Ireland, England, all the Celtic things like that, mm. but it feels weird because I'm not of their land. Like I didn't mm. grow up. I wasn't around that. I am mm. not of this beautiful, precious indigenous land. And so it's like, I'm trying to find the culmination of the two. And mm. I, recently realized that we're kind of getting off topic, but I just wanted to offer this. Uh, I recently realized like when I heard the term and I've heard it before, but it was in this time because I'm seeing, I'm searching for things through different lens when somebody said folk magic. And I was like, Oh, because my ancestry, literally everybody that came over went to either West Virginia or Kentucky. And so I'm heavily entrenched in the Appalachian mountains. Mm. Right. So when they said folk magic, I was like, Oh, is this where, is this where I start my understanding my identity as a woman, as a witch, as a white woman on stolen land, Mm. all of these things, there was a point to me telling you the story and it's completely escaped my mind. Oh, that's what it was. Family. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's what it was. It was for thousands of years. Our only job as humans was survival, right? We were trying to survive. We were trying to outlive, outlive our ancestors. We were trying to live long enough to have a baby so that the bloodline could continue, right? Or just help with the farm or do this and do that. So for thousands of years, I would argue, we our only concern truly has been survival. So to be tactful, to be graceful, to be uh, mm. like welcoming of things has only been honestly more recently, especially the last hundred years. If you look, if you want to look at mental health and the climbs it's made in the last 10 years alone, let alone the last 50, but like we, the tools for us to have loving conversations were not there. There is a shit ton of, uh, physical violence in, in my, my family's mm. history because we were not given the tools mm. to be successful with our heart and with our mind. Mm-hmm. And so now it's our job to do the work, right? And it's hard work, but it's worthy work. It's holy work. It's divine mm-hmm. work to be able to say, 
Sam, this really bothered me mm-hmm. or, Hey, I really appreciated it when you did this. Mm-hmm. We it's even hard for, um, becoming a mother myself. I realized how often I wasn't apologized to as a kid, mm-hmm. like my, my, my parents, because they weren't apologized to. So of course they're not going to apologize to me. I mean, they, they fucked up plenty of times. I fucked up plenty of times. And when I realized my children are worthy and deserving of an apology, Mm. then as sometimes as hard as it is to eke it out of my mouth, they deserve that because they're Mm. humans, Mm -hmm. right? They may be my children, but they are not for me. They are from me, but they are not for me. And they have their own path and they're humans first, foremost, above everything else, they exist. So they are worthy of everything. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think that open conversations could be a lot more healing if we allowed it with yeah. open soft hearts. Yeah. Thanks for that tangent. It's beautiful. Thank I think you. part of the, um, part of the problem is that split second where you have a choice to be, to do something, to have external action. And if we miss that very small window, then immediately what happens is we start creating story in our mind Mm -hmm. to justify why we don't need to pursue action. And then, you know, it's like, well, she always does or blah, 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 you know, and you, and you just keep building and building. And then what happens is you're completely debilitated to be able to come with grace because you have so much baggage on this one particular topic that as soon as you start to speak about it, your words and your tone are going to give off all that you've been yeah. holding on to. So it's like a, a instant, instant response or it's pretty much off the table or it's like extremely tail through your legs. Like, Hey, right. <laughs> I have these 17 things I've been holding on to, but typically that's not what happens either. What happens is there's an argument and then you throw everything, everything, <laughs> the kitchen sink. Here's the 45 things wrong with you in the last decade. If you could fix them. Cause I've been working through it. <laughs> not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my intimacy. That's what I'm working on. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Trying my best. All right. And sometimes that's literally all we can do is we are trying and we might fail eight times, but getting up that ninth time. So last night, Ayla and I, my, my child and I, um, they're 13 and we we're having a disagreement about whatever. And, um, and I think what has happened is through her younger years, I have been, I never wanted to be the parent that was like, because I said, so to me, that was like the most jacked up thing because it's not valuing them as a human. They deserve to know why. And mm-hmm. also when they know why, then they're more likely to be able to problem solve and like deduce things on their own in the future. Well, mom said before like X, Y, and Z. So I know in the future, this probably isn't going to be a good choice for me, whatever. So I've always given her more than enough explanation. And then what has happened is now that her brain is old enough to like push it together and pull new things into existence. That makes sense. It's like, I can't actually, like, it doesn't matter what my reason is. My child will have 17 other reasons. And then I have gotten I did not aware, I was not aware that I was in this, in this pattern, but then I will shoot down each one of those thoughts individually with, with other reasons. And then, and then it just cycles, right? Because then they're mm-hmm. like, well, this isn't true because of this. And I'm like, you know, want, they want to walk to 
their friend's house after school and they want to walk to this like one particular park. And I'm like, no, because there's, it's like, there's like a five lane highway. And then Ayla was like, well, there's a crosswalk. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still five lanes. And we're like driving residential. She's like, well, this is five lanes. One, two, three, four, five. And I'm like, yeah, but there's houses right beside us. It's not five lanes right off the highway. Right. And so it's just like back and forth, back and forth. And then eventually last night I was like, the answer is no. If you ask again, you know what I mean? Like the discipline, whatever. And then she goes, I'd really like to show you this woman on YouTube who's, who gives parenting tips. She's a therapist and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she's like, but you probably wouldn't like it. And inside my head, I'm thinking this swear word, <laughs> this swear word is trying to give me parenting tips because I'm not giving my child the answer that they want. And then in, you know, in my head, I'm, I've come up with these feisty responses, but on the outside, I'm silent. And then I said, okay. <laughs> and Ayla was like, okay, what? And I was like, okay, are they on YouTube? Are they on Pinterest? And she goes, what? <laughs> and I was like, show me if, if I can expand in some way with my parental abilities, if you think I could be better for you, let's, let's just see Because I'm sure, I'm sure there is something in those videos that yeah. I could take to heart. <laughs> yeah regardless of the source that <laughs> has recommended it to me, but it is, it, it's, it's the tail between the legs. You know what I mean? Like, all right, I'll, I'll try to do better. PS also let me find some YouTube videos about how to be a better teenager. Ayla. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> I love that. She is a product of your creation. <laughs> like clearly she is definitely her own person, but she has seen your pragmatic ways for 13 yeah. or they have seen <laughs> your pragmatic ways for 13 years. And it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's hard. It, it's, it's hard because it's like, you, it's going to serve them in adulthood. It's going to, that's what right. I keep telling myself. Right. It's going to serve them in adulthood, but it's so hard when you're still trying to be the protective guiding force in their life. And then you, and then suddenly they're, you, and truly and honestly. So one of my children turned 18 this past year, like literally within like the last month. And I noticed that I had started to like, let go some of the tendrils of mm -hmm. things leading up to it because, okay, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I'm prior military and in training. So you, you experience your, your boot camp for lack of a better term, your basic military training, and then you go off to your job training. And depending on what you do, it could be six weeks. It could be six months. I chose to do find one that was six months because I felt like it would benefit me in real life. I studied to be a civil engineer. Well, not as, I mean, that's the category, but it was construction basically. Cause I knew that one day, um, I wanted to own my own home and I figured that owning my own home, hold on my, I didn't plug in my computer. Silly me. So let me plug it in really quick. But anyway, so I did construction, blah, blah, blah. So my training was six months long and in doing so. What happens is when you are first out of boot camp, you are restricted big time for like the first six weeks. And then you can test out to phase up to where you can have a little mm -hmm. bit more freedom. Because if you go from zero to 60, you can fuck some shit up, right? You're going to go party. <laughs> You're going to go crazy. And that's where people get in trouble. So I realized that I needed to train myself as the mother and also her. I don't want to say train, but I wanted to loosen up the 
the ties that bind so that when she turned 18, shit didn't hit the fan, right? And also for my own soul's sake, I did not have as much anxiety when my oldest turned 18 because he's a boy. Mm. And I, I, not that I didn't have, not that I had more faith in him than her. I just felt like he, uh, the world is set up for men to be successful. Unfortunately, that is the case. And so I didn't have those fears. And also she is a beautiful girl. Mm. There are bad people in this world. Yeah. And I had the bit, that's one of my biggest fears. And, uh, so I, yeah, I have been training myself to lightly let go this past year, more so this summer. And, um, it's really weird. It's really weird to pour 18 years of your own Mm. life into the soul of another human being. And then suddenly, and then suddenly Mm -hmm. it really went by so quickly and it's like, what, (laughs) what? And they, you know, at 18, and I know that I thought I was the hot shit at 18 too. I was, I was also a mother at 18, but it's, it's, they just, they're so beautifully naive Mm -hmm. and they just don't know. And they don't understand. And I remember seeing things as so black and white. I remember this argument I had with my dad when I was 14 and I remember seeing it. I literally thought to myself, this is black and white. Why are you seeing this gray area? I remember thinking that. And of course he was coming from his experience in life. It's just so hard to let them go, mm-hmm. let them go. Um, and, and, and not be afraid they're going to fuck up. I have more faith in her than I have in other people around her. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's not about her driving. It's about the other people driving. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I have offered them training in such a way that I'm, I'm not scared about their driving about mm-hmm. their like uh, knee jerk reaction of fearfulness because they're inexperienced. Yes, absolutely. But I don't know. I don't even know what got me on that, but thank you. Babies having babies, babies letting them yeah. out into the world. Yeah. It's crazy. And, stuff. and, and having poured, uh, the knowledge that they own into them and then having it come back and bite us in the ass when they turn yeah. 13. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like those are all so like, cause we talked about the maiden, right. Not only in our children, but also before of like hating the body, right. And all, all of the novate of that, but then the mother, there's so many things with the mother, but I feel like crone is oh. when you can just like watch it all happen without yeah. attachment. Yeah. It's just acceptance. Yeah, it's me. just like, is what it is. It doesn't have to be pretty or nice. It can be, can be whatever and it's just fine i think that's why grandparents are like so chill all the time yeah because like they 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 don't have as much skin in the game but they do but it's like i don't know one set removed you know yeah yeah (sighs) wild it is wild well you feel complete i do okay were you gonna say something else well i was just gonna ask if there were any follow-up questions to that beautiful piece that you found no, but I do have to mention I your your dog is behind you in the video on the couch <laughs> and I have been watching him sleep twitch for the last 45 minutes. So freaking adorable. <laughs> um has he laid in that same position? Because what he'll also do is he'll fling both of his well, he'll lay on his back and fling his legs up into the air and like it's a great dane just to give you context. So he's a big ass dog. He's huge. Yeah, he really is. He's all gangly. He's all, he's all legs. He's all arms. Yeah. No, he's been laying like that. This is like little toes will be twitching every once in a while. (laughs) Cute. (laughs) Silly Hank. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, thank you. you. I'll see you next week.
Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.